Using food bank parcels, how can we really support a healthy diet? Welcome to Louise's Health Kick podcast with Louise Mercier. Louise is a nutritional therapist, award-winning author of How Food Shapes Your Child, and a presenter on Early Years TV Food Channel. As well as all this, Louise is the force behind the Health Kick, promoting a healthy lifestyle without the contradictory and often misplaced advice in the world of nutrition. Hello, it's Louise Messia, nutritional therapist with The Health Kick. And today I want to look at a, a subject that's becoming quite common in the media now to hear about this, but it's something that's been happening in society for quite a long time. It's one of the things that the pandemic has perhaps raised as a, an issue of the pandemic, but actually the pandemic has only made an existing issue worse. So one of the things that I, I often talk about is the health and wealth divide and how being healthy through lifestyle choices is something that is becoming increasingly difficult to achieve for many. Um, and that is getting, the, the, the divide is getting bigger. There are many reasons behind that that were happening before the pandemic, but the pandemic has exacerbated that issue in, in, in many ways. And we all know about the information in the news about children and the free school meals and the extension of those through lockdowns. And, you know, there was obviously lots of negative trail of this and how this was handled and I'm, I'm not here to get political about things but I do think it's an issue that needs to be raised um, and it's it's a really big issue but it is something that we can all help with and so what often happens with a really big problem is we think well that's you know a really big issue and I don't know how I can make any difference so we can make a difference and how we can support families and individuals who are in a situation where they need to rely on a food bank food parcels and, and these kind of things that do happen um, with many people in society and, and how we can help that by making sure that when people are put in a position where they need their service, that the service is, is amazing and wonderful as it is, but often the foods are perhaps not the best foods to support that individual or that family's optimal health. And when we have food parcels and deliveries that are you know, given willingly and lovingly and with all the best intentions, but are perhaps not optimal nutritional products, we then see a bigger escalation of the health and wealth divide because those who are put in a position where they need these foods, their food choice, their independent food choice is taken away from them. And so they then rely on this food. But if this food is you know, high sugar or low nutrients, then they have no choice but to eat those. And those foods are not the foods that fully support health. And Yes, it is more expensive to eat healthily. We all know that, unfortunately, that is something that I would love to see change. But there are things we can do very cheaply to support optimal nutrition. So using food bank parcels, how can we really support a healthy diet? Lots of people rely on food parcels. And as I said in the intro, we can really support what's in the parcels by making them as nutritious as possible. 2.5 million. That's the number of food bank parcels that were given out to people in crisis in the last year, 2020 to 2021. Unsurprisingly, given that this was the year that COVID struck and with that came many issues with, with the economy, with businesses, with self-employed people, all sorts of, of economical issues that were that were raised during the, the crisis. And so unsurprisingly, there is a 33% increase in use of feed banks from the previous year and out of those numbers 980,000 were going to children 
and we'll cover children a little bit more later on, but huge numbers of people were needing the food banks pre-COVID. So this is not a new issue and this is not a COVID issue, but the numbers have certainly increased exponentially during that year that COVID struck. But the increase has been happening anyway. Um, the need for food banks has actually increased by 123% in the last five years. 123% increase. So it's not just COVID that's having an issue on this. It's, it's many, many factors. And this is where it can start to feel difficult because you can't influence those factors. You know, we're, we're not in government. We're not big industry. We're not able to make the change that that is what's really needed, which is that nobody in the UK, a wealthy country, should need to be going to a food bank but we can't wave a magic wand and we can't change those things. But we can see that the need is there. The need is growing. Certainly it's going to keep growing because COVID is still having an impact. And for some, it will be an irreparable impact in terms of maybe that the business has gone bust or something like that. You know, so there are many things that we won't see just yet that will come for years that will still be as a result of the, the year the pandemic hit. So hugely in terms of the need, there's a huge need for this. And the increase was certainly there pre-COVID, 123% increase in the last five years. One thing that came through that really hit home for me in terms of the, the impact that this pandemic had um, on children, and we're, we're going to focus on children because I'm all about family health and formally nutri formative nutrition. So during the, the sort of peak of the first lockdown, so uh, uh, some spring, summer 2020, the UN, who are you know responsible for providing humanitarian aid around the world, stated that this pandemic was the most urgent crisis affecting children since World War II. And what is perhaps more surprising is that for the first time in their 70-year history, UNICEF actually stepped in to support the UK. But it was the first time in their 70-year history that they have done that. UNICEF normally works around the world in, in countries that are not as wealthy as the UK by far, far from as wealthy as the UK. They are the countries that normally have UNICEF support. They stepped into the UK last year in 2020 to support children in need. Now, of course, we can argue that that shouldn't happen, that that shouldn't be needed, that there are many other things that should have happened, but we're not going to um, gain anything by being political. But we are the UK, the sixth largest economy after the US, China, Japan, Germany and India. But you can sit there perhaps sometimes and think, well, we're a wealthy country. These things don't happen. These things only happen in countries where they have famine and food poverty. Food poverty is very real in wealthy countries. We, we are absolute, I, I can't say shining example because it's not a shining example, but we are living proof that having a, a large economy does not mean that there is no food poverty because there certainly is. So without getting political, um, we can say this shouldn't happen, but we have to realise it does. It does happen. It is happening. And there are 4.3 million children living in poverty in the UK today. 4.3 million children. That's actually 30% of all children in the UK. So nearly a third of all children in the UK are living in poverty. And again, going back to five years ago and the, the exponential increase that we're seeing, not just as a result of COVID, but that, that rapid growth in the need and, and the, the increase in poverty, the number of children has increased by 500,000 to five years ago. 
So yes, the need exists and the need is very real. And parents in the UK today are having to make a decision between paying the bill or eating dinner. And many parents will not eat themselves because they will they will use what food they have to feed their children. And this is not something that just used to happen. This is not a wartime thing when parents went without food. This is happening now today in 2021 in the UK, the sixth largest economy in the world. So we can support and there is a support network. And there are many organisations that rally around to the aid of those in need. And of course, this was really apparent during the first week of the pandemic when we saw we saw head teachers delivering food parcels to children who were on free school meals. We saw obviously celebrities like Marcus Rashford doing an amazing job of kind of shaming the government into, into you know, a U-turn on a decision um, and really rallying around to, to say this is not acceptable. Children wherever they are, should not go hungry. And lots of people rallied around in a support network that still exists, but perhaps it's not, it's not, you know, getting daily media attention. But there are many hundreds of thousands of volunteers behind the scenes doing amazing work, collecting um, foods and delivering foods and cooking foods for people who need it, who don't otherwise wouldn't, wouldn't have any. So we're all familiar with food parcels. So most supermarkets now have a, a drop-off, um, a donation point. We, we know that there are many places where we can share. Many schools um, would have you know, an incentive to, to send things in for children and, and talk about this in their school. And there are many ways that we can see these food parcels, collection points and donation stations. And they all have a sort of list of things that we should we should be putting in them. So they are a great way to help, but what should they really include in terms of not just something that we don't want out of our cupboard, but what is a nutritionally balanced food parcel? We all know that nutritionally balanced should look colourful and fresh and vibrant and be full of lovely looking fresh food, but that is not possible with a food parcel because most food parcels and donation stations are only able to take ambient goods so those goods that do not have a short shelf life that don't go off quickly so we can't provide lovely fresh looking foods and things like that but we can provide nutritionally balanced foods we just need to choose carefully so tinned goods tinned goods can be very healthy not all of them but some of them a lot of them and they can be used to make Amazingly healthy and, of course, economical meals. But we do have to choose wisely. Tin vegetables are a great example, a really easy example. Um, it's just as nutritious as fresh because it's packed as soon as after it's been picked, put into the tins. And it normally only contains water, ascorbic acid, which is, is a naturally occurring antioxidant. It's absolutely fine to be in there. They should not contain a long list of additives and, and added you know, not just additives, but emulsifiers and stabilizers and all sorts. So they don't need them. They should not include them. So tin bench, just as nutritious, two ingredients normally, normally just water, water and ascorbic acid. Absolutely fine, perfect. They are not expensive. And I'll go through some examples later on of making a meal out of these tinned products. But they are not expensive and you can get a range of them. And these are perfect for putting in to food parcels. Fruits. Tinned fruit is the same. It's just as nutritious. Fruit is an amazing source of nutrients, especially if we are thinking of parcels for families and children who, you know, 
need the, the fruit, well, grown-ups do as well, of course, but need the fruits to, to have sort of a, a something sweet, maybe for a pudding or have to feel like they're having something tasty. Um, fruits are a really good source of nutrients, but they are often, when they are tinned or in um, ambient containers, so little plastic tubs, they are often in syrup and we don't want them or need them to be in syrup because that then includes too much sugar in the product and we, we don't need to be putting fruit in syrup to get the sweetness of the fruit fruit itself is sweet so fruit skinned fruit or little plastic tubs of fruit fine perfect pop them in but please don't pop them in if they are in syrup protein of course protein very important for for all of us humans um if we're thinking of families for young children it's very important because protein is basically the building blocks of all growth and repair in our bodies so when children are still growing they they do protein is very important to them to, to actually be able to grow and develop and there are many different types of protein we mostly associate protein with sort of meat and fish and cheese and, and fresh goods that we would, you know, that we wouldn't be getting in tins, but you can get many, many sources of protein in tins, pulses, such as um, you can get tins chickpeas and kidney beans and green lentils, which are amazing to use instead of mints. Just pop them straight into any dish you would use mints and they add the protein in there. But tinned fish is what I want to focus on because tinned fish is essential for the fat that we need. And especially with families who may have young children. And, and when I say young children, actually the human brain continues to grow until we're in our early 20s. So anybody with a developing brain, so that includes teenagers and, and, and very um, old teens, early 20s as well. The brain is still growing and still needs essential fatty acids or EFAs to build that 40% of the brain that is made up of essential fats. So fish, tinned fish is, is really, really essential for those food parcels. Tuna, mackerel, salmon, sardines. Tuna is the most expensive of all of those in a tinned variety. But even so, you can get four packs of tuna. They're often on offer and they don't have to be overly expensive, but they do make a very good addition to a food parcel because they are adding in the essential fatty acids that are really they're essential that's as much as i can say they're essential fatty acids because they are essential if we look at formative nutrition and essential fatty acids even a very minor deficiency can show us all sorts of different issues which could include things like an inability to concentrate um, or focus on things a very low attention span an inability to sit still um, an inability to focus and difficulty grasping things in terms of learning new concepts and so if we consider a child who is hungry and at school and they're displaying these characteristics they may get labeled as being a bit fidgety or disruptive but actually they're unable to make the connections because they're lacking in the the fats that build their brain to enable them to make those connections. So really essential, especially for children. But of course, grown-ups need it too. So if you can pop tinned fish into the food parcel, that is absolutely the best, for me, the best thing you could do for somebody. Um, but tinned protein includes tinned meats. And I have a tendency to, to say, be careful with these. Personally, I would never put tinned meat in a food parcel at all because it's not something that I would be prepared to feed my own family. And I always think if you have that 
two second conversation with yourself would I actually eat this myself would I give this to my family and if the answer is oh good god no then why inflict it on somebody else so make sure that what you are putting in you would be willing to eat yourself and if you're not going to eat these things yourself then I wouldn't put them in the reason why I am against them is that nutritionally they're not they're not up there. Yes, they are protein, but they are highly processed protein. So that means they have a lot of additives in there. They have a very high salt content because often they have to, to be able to, to be in the tin. And that combination of additives and high salt content is not suitable for children. And it's not a, a protein source that is as clean as it should be because it has the additives in there and of course lots of people shouldn't have high salt content if you have high blood pressure or other conditions that mean you need to limit your salt then you do need to be very careful that these are very high in salt content so personally for me in terms of protein and in a food pass I wouldn't want to see these and I personally would be very careful with them if you do put them in but it is obviously, you know, some people like them and some people can make meals out of them. But if we consider that these people may be relying on this and having to feed their children this, but they might not want to, we have to have that two-second conversation. Would I feed this to my family? Would I be happy eating it myself? And then answering that honestly before we put things into the food parcel. So we must always think meals as well when we put things in a food parcel because for the family or the individual receiving it, they're not just receiving it to put in their cupboard and, you know, and like we would do with tins, we would just fill the cupboard and think, well, I'll get something from the fridge to make a meal. When you have to cook from a food parcel, we have to assume that there may not be something in the fridge, that there may not be something else in the pantry or the freezer to go with this. So we have to be able to make a meal because There'd be nothing worse than getting the food parcel and it not consisting of enough things to make an actual meal, but an individual collection of things that aren't really enough to sort of eat in one go. Um, So we have to think these these this food parcel has to make meals and to make meals. What we need protein we've covered in terms of the tinned pulses as some examples of those beans, etc. The tuna and fats. So that covers the fats, covers the um, tuna as, as well, because the essential fatty acids are both protein and fats because they are fatty acids um, and carbohydrates. So all of these things, we if we put them in, they can be turned into a meal that is nutritionally balanced. So meal mass. So we're going to go through some meal mass now and see how we can make a meal from items put in a food parcel. So. I'd mentioned tinned fish, two tins of mackerel fillets, approximately different supermarkets do vary and you will find price variances between them. But two tins of mackerel, 65p for some mackerel fillets. And this is based on feeding a family of four. Um, A kilogram bag of whole wheat pasta is £1.20, but you only need to use half of it for one meal. Tuna tomatoes, 28p. Forget buying jars of pasta sauce. Um, They are more expensive and they have sugar and additives and and other added ingredients in there. Tinned tomatoes, just as good um, because tinned tomatoes are just purely tomatoes. So they have the nutritional content that tomatoes would have without the added sugar, salt, additives that a jar of pasta sauce would have. Of course, we want flavour. So half a jar of pesto, pesto at 90p, using half of it, 45p. Get the flavour of the pickle and the parmesan and the saltiness from the from the actual cheese itself to add the flavour into this dish. So you don't need the, the jar of pasta sauce with its added ingredients. You just need the pesto to, to get the flavour. Green beans, there are 
cheaper tinned veg, of course, and and mushrooms at 90p, green beans at 80p. There are cheaper veggies. Um, This meal could be cut down, but I'm I'm showing what can be done under £5 um, and you could do it under under three pounds if you changed a few things as well or went to a shop that was slightly cheaper um dried hard cheese yes it's slightly it's not perfect of course um a block of of cheese will be better but remember that that may not be possible so if we can provide it so that there's at least something in there one pound you only need to use a fifth for this meal so you get five meals out of that 20p for that so to make mackerel pesto pasta Bit of a mouthful would cost to feed a family four would cost four pound fifty three. Could be less if you didn't use green beans or mushrooms, but you use maybe sweet corn or peas. Much cheaper in terms of tin veg, but each vegetable does have its own different nutritional sort of value, and it brings with it its own different things. So when we think veg, we shouldn't always just think tin peas, carrot, sweet corn, because different things do different different properties. They bring different things with them. So of course, if we break down the mackerel pesto pasta, which is again a mouthful, then we can look at what the mackerel brings: protein and those all important essential fatty acids. Whole wheat pasta. I chose whole wheat deliberately. Yes, white pasta is cheaper, much cheaper, but you can now get whole wheat pasta reasonably priced. You'll always be able to get white pasta cheaper, but the whole wheat pasta is a brilliant source of fiber and of B vitamins, which you don't get with the white pasta. And if we may consider that people on a food you need a food parcel to, to top up or a food parcel to rely on. They may not be getting optimal nutrition from other foods elsewhere because we know, unfortunately, that healthy food is three times, on average, three times more expensive than food that is not optimally nutritious. So where we can, if we can be getting the fiber and the B vitamins in a bag of whole wheat pasta, it's, it's preferable than white pasta. And tomatoes add an amazing antioxidant lipokine, which comes out when tomatoes are cooked. So again, different to the jar of pasta sauce, pure tomatoes, more antioxidant properties. The pesto just brings with it flavor and some protein because you do use parmesan in pesto. So you do get some of that. Green beans, B vitamins, iron, magnesium, a great mineral for helping with, with many things in the body. But one is to help with mood and sleep and the circadian rhythm and helping us to feel more content and relaxed and able to relax. And if we look at the health and wealth divide, there are many health associations with being unable to eat healthily and with being in poverty. We looked at the numbers earlier in terms of, of the numbers of people in poverty. And one of the associations and health risks of living in poverty is the associated stress. There are more stressors than people who have and who are affluent, who have not got that money worry. They don't say they don't have other worries and other stresses. Um, stress is all relative to the individual. So we can never say that people who have money don't have stress. They do, but they don't worry about where the next meal is coming from. So we know there's a link with health and stresses linked with poverty. So magnesium as a mineral may just play a very small part in being able to help that person to, to manage the neurotransmitters and be able to naturally balance the mood because that's what food does food is is does much more than fill us up it has many other roles in the body um hence why i like to include the varieties of, of vegetables that do these different things mushrooms b vitamins fiber and antioxidants and some mushrooms as well um depending on where you get your tin of mushrooms may also have vitamin d in that 
which most people are um, deficient in. So where we can get that, very important. And the dried hard cheese, again, just a bit of additional flavour, and we can read a little bit of protein, but not very much. But on the whole, the macro pesto pasta is a well-balanced, nutritious and economic meal. So that there is that can be made from a few things in a food parcel that can make up a meal for a family of four um, with all of the things that we would want that family of four to be able to be eating. And it will also taste nice. Now we're going to use the other half of the, the pesto and the other half of the bag of pasta and make a beanie pesto pasta. Not quite as much of a mouthful. Beanie pesto pasta. So we are using the rest of the pasta. Another tin of tomatoes at 28p. The other half of the jar of pesto. This time we are going for tinned carrots. Tinned carrots are amazingly economical at 20p. A tin of sweet corn, because if we think, and um, this again for children, most children like sweet corn. It's a very amenable vegetable um, in terms of one of the things that children will normally willingly eat. Tin of kidney beans, there's the protein in this one. So tinned, tinned beans are amazing for adding protein. You can get really adventurous with your tinned beans as well. And some of you have mixed beans in various sources. Of course, they're slightly more expensive. But if you're thinking of ease of meals, a, a basic tin of mixed beans in a, say, sweet chili sauce or a, a tomatoey sauce is already a meal in itself. So that's, that's something that can be popped in and had on its own if need be and is, is absolutely optimally nutritious. Tin of ratatouille, bit of a, um, a treat product that one if you like because it, it is... It is obviously much cheaper to make your own ratatouille from a selection of vegetables, but that may not be possible. And we cannot provide fresh vegetables in a food bank. So buying a tin of ratatouille a pound is obviously not the most economical thing to do. But if we're thinking of making a meal from a few tins, and actually it's a great addition because it's got the flavour of ratatouille, it's got the, the mix of aubergine and courgette and onion and tomato, which are really healthy vegetables, which if we can't provide the vegetables on their own and then expect someone to make a ratatouille, then it is most definitely the next best thing. Using a bit more of the dried hard cheese and we get this family meal, a beanie pesto pasta. So I don't know if I said the price of the mackerel pesto. So that one was £4.53 for the mackerel pesto pasta, £4.53. And then the beanie pesto pasta is £3.73. And then the nutritional value, again, we've got the whole wheat pasta with its fibre and its B vitamins. We've got the lipocaine, the antioxidant from the cooked tomatoes. We've got more flavour and protein again from the pesto. Carrots, vitamins A, K and C. A tin of sweet corn, fibre, good source of fibre, sweet corn, surprisingly. B vitamins, vitamin C, magnesium and potassium. In the kidney beans, we've got the protein. We've got fibre, vitamins K, B6 and vitamin C. Tin of ratatouille is full of antioxidants with the purple aubergine, etc. A great source of an antioxidant called anthocyanin. And then we've got a bit more of that hard cheese for a bit of flavour. We've got another well-balanced, nutritious and economical meal, £3.73. So meals can be achieved from items in a food bank and you could you could go even cheaper um you could you know shop around and go to different shops they were mainstream supermarkets not the two shops that are slightly cheaper which i can't name but you could get things um even cheaper and i have put together to accompany this um a non-branded shopping list in terms of you know what would make an ideal week so that was that was looking at two meals, but obviously we've got breakfast, 
and drinks and you know potentially lunches um for the individual maybe the children will have lunch at school but there are other things that need to go so how can we make a food parcel for a week um if we wanted to go that far if not provide one meal three pound 73 or four pound 85 i think it was and we can actually provide that for a family because malnutrition and food poverty they go hand in hand unfortunately nutritional deficiencies are very common we even have in in the year 2021 in the UK we have cases of scurvy and we have cases of rickets so unfortunately these things should have died out in you know in the last century and they're actually coming back and and they, they are small numbers but they should be no numbers and where we see things with small numbers, they tend to be the start of something like we could look at things like type 2 diabetes, having zero cases 20 years ago in children and having over 3000 today. So where things start to come in in small numbers, it doesn't mean that that's the end of it. Unfortunately, malnutrition, nutritional deficiencies do have serious health consequences. And because of the volume, 4.3 million children living in poverty Unfortunately, that is only going to get more common. We've seen the exponential increase, 123% increase in the use of food banks in the last five years alone. And then at the end of those five years, we've had COVID. So it's only going to go in one direction. Um, and unfortunately, um, we're not equipped to make the big changes, but we can support with what we can support. Now, one thing I want to touch on is the things we put in the food parcels that we think we are providing as treats or, you know, nice thing all the like this i'll enjoy this be very careful with those because one survey that was carried out on an independent study of food banks in in the oxfordshire area found that 62 percent of the energy was coming from carbohydrates and 569 percent of the the div which is daily reference value was actually provided by sugar way too high clearly way too high there are many food parcels that are really high in sugar and if you are relying on that and you're hungry, of course, you're going to eat it. But it may not be what you want to eat. And it's probably what you know is not doing you the best in terms of the healthy choice. So when we provide a food parcel, when we put food items in the donation stations, that will then make up a food parcel. We have to remember that food poverty takes away independent food choices. And if we think clearly, I've had this in the cupboard for ages, I'm going to pop this in because I don't want it. It's not really, yes, okay, it might be helpful in some way. It's, it, it's not some number to wait, we'll not starve because of it, but it's not really what we want to be doing. We want to be recognizing that people don't have independent food choices through food poverty and that actually they still deserve a healthy diet and they still deserve good nutrition because good nutrition does equal good health. And the health and wealth divide is, is really increasing. Um, the, the statistics that show that in poor nutrition, and I say poor nutrition rather than just nutrition, but poor nutrition is actually worldwide now the leading cause of cause mortality, which is, is basically leading to cause of death. Um, it's overtaken tobacco, which was the previous main cause mortality. And so scarily, we know that there are big issues with nutrition, but we never really put food up there on the health pedestal that it deserves. We look at many other factors when we talk about health and we don't really look at food. One of the big things we can do in tackling this issue is, is to make sure that the food we put in, we would eat ourselves, we would feed our family ourselves, and we are 
thinking about what can make a meal, what can support a family whose choice has been taken away from them, who want to feed their family healthily. Of course they do. And they want to feed their family well, but their choice has been taken away from them. And for them, of course, that's, nobody wants to be in that situation. It's nobody's fault that they're in that situation. And there's no point saying, well, they should go and do this because Believe me, they probably have many times been and tried that already. And, you know, that that is not, you know, that's not going to help anybody. Nobody wants to go to a food bank. Nobody wants to have to do this. So thinking about our donations in a well-thought-out way can really support an individual or a family's health. And when we think of the future, we've currently got more than 14 million people living in poverty, including a 4.5, said 4.3 earlier, this is 4.5, um, 4.3 or 4.5 million children. Um, we definitely know that more needs to be done to prevent this escalating health and wealth divide. And we know that nobody wants to have to use a food bank. And trust or trust, um, to quote, they are, you know, doing as best they can and they know um, what needs to be done and they are the support network out there from them is amazing. But as they have quoted, to quote them, as a nation, we know it isn't right that anyone should be left hungry or living in extreme poverty. But whilst we work for long-term change, our network of food banks provides emergency food and compassionate, dignified support to people locked in crisis. And I think locked in crisis is a really key point of that quote. Because it is very easy to get locked in. It's very hard to get out. And it's nobody's fault that they end up in that situation. So as much as as we can, without tackling the big issues, without thinking, oh, it's, it's too big an issue to tackle, we can provide what support we can in the simplest of ways by thinking about that food bank parcel, thinking about that meal maths, working out your own meal maths and providing food that can feed a family, but feed a family well. And there is an accompanying list to go with this, a shopping list, which um, I'm sure by the powers of technology will be made available to you. Um, so I'm Louise and see a nutritional therapist, making the links between food and health for everybody, not just those who can afford it. You've been listening to Louise's Health Kick podcast with Louise Masia discussing all things health and nutrition to show you that food and health are intrinsically linked and teaching you how amazing you can feel. Find out more at www.thehealthkick.co.uk or read her book, How Food Shapes Your Child, or get in touch on social media. This is a 1386 audio production. 